Everyone in this church remembers his or her date of birth. And most of us who are married remember our wedding date. And when an anniversary comes around, if you don't remember that wedding date, your spouse will probably remind you. Or you remember the month and the year you graduated from high school, college, your first big job, your first big romance, and all the other anniversaries and special days, maybe the death of a mother or father, a loved one. Many people in this city remember exactly the day and where they were when President Kennedy was assassinated or when this event took place or when the Berlin Wall came down. I remember that one, November 89. We remember dates. They're important. They substantiate our history and they ground us in perspective and allow our memory to guide us. But how many in this church remember the most important day in your spiritual life. The date, the place of your baptism. Raise your hands if you remember when you were baptized. Okay, that's 10 people. Not bad. At the last mass, no one knew. And I have to say, I didn't know. I had to look it up. May the 14th, 1961, one month after my birth. Now, it sounds unimportant in one respect, but it really is the most important day, if you think about it, spiritually in our lives. Because up until that point, we were the natural children of our parents. We were of their blood, of their body, and of that nature which in the order of the natural order, receives its human nature ultimately from our first parents. For lack of name, Adam and Eve. So the natural order was always subject to sin, the sin of Adam and Eve. So when Jesus comes on the scene, he's saying, now I am demanding, requiring, commanding that you baptize with water and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is not just make-believe because our Lord doesn't make-believe. He doesn't make it up. No, everything he does, everything he ever said was truthful and powerful. He cannot lie. He cannot play around with words. So he would tell his disciples, go out and baptize all nations. He didn't say, well, if you feel like it, if you've got the time, if you're interested. It was a mandate. Do it. Go. Teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. At that moment in baptism, which most of us in this church as little babies don't remember at all, at that moment, 
God took over. God overshadowed us by power of the Holy Spirit and infused in us indelible gifts, permanent gifts of faith, hope, and love. Removed that original sin through that holy water and now adopted us, adopted us as his children. In that moment, we became children of God. And we didn't do anything to deserve it. He just wants it that way. He wants to rescue us from sin and the powers and the clutches of Satan and the world that we think, oh, well, that's just the world. Yeah, the reason the world is often the way it is is because it's messed up. And why is it messed up? Because free will is still in sin. So, the mission of the church has always been for 2019 years until the end of time to follow the mandate of the Lord, to go out, to teach all nations and baptize. Now, we didn't do anything to earn this gift. This was done for us. This is the marvelous work of God. We don't have to prove anything. Our works pale by comparison to his works. Our works are important, but they pale by comparison to his work. And what happened at baptism was his work. I can't buy it. I can't negotiate it. I can't say, let's make a deal. He simply did it. And he's about to do it again at every Mass. This is my body. This is my blood. He's not playing around with words again. He means what he says, and he says what he means. And that's the truth. And so here we are standing in this tremendous gift of the Holy Spirit through the waters of baptism, which is why we put at the doors of the church the holy water fonts, because they remind us those are the portals, those are the, the doors by which we entered the church symbolically, and we sign ourselves every time with that holy water to remind us that we're entering into God's home as his children in a very sacred, special, designated way. That I am no longer in the world, alone and in sin. But I have been rescued. I have been saved. That's amazing. We may not always feel that way, but that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And that date of that baptism, look it up. Find out. It's probably on Google someplace. You can get it. And celebrate that day. And just as you would light candles on your birthday cake and blow out your candles by making a wish, so on the date of your baptism, that holy candle, that candle that was given to you, and if you need one, I'll give one to you, you can light it and then make, before you blow out that candle, a very special spiritual wish. Not for stuff, but for the gifts to be renewed. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Faith, hope, and love. True love. And the more you pray for these gifts, the more they are renewed in you through baptism, 
the more they grow. The more we attend to these things, the more they grow. So it's very important that we celebrate our baptism in light of his. The question then remains, why did Jesus have to be baptized? He wasn't in sin. So what's the point? The point is that Jesus, just as in his birth, so now at the tender age of 30, as he's going public with his ministry for the next three years before his death, is going to stand in solidarity with you, with me, with all of creation. He stands in the water. He stands there. And he allows his cousin John, the Baptist, to do this to him to baptize him. He's standing in the water in time and place, the Jordan River, you can go there today, and stand in the waters to show that he is standing with us and for us for all time. And this is now the moment in public display, the authority of Jesus Christ is manifest by God. We've seen it manifest indirectly through the recognition of the three wise men. We see it recognized by Mary and Joseph. We see it recognized by the shepherds, the poor, the angels. But now it is recognized by the Heavenly Father. At age 30, in the Jordan River, this is my beloved Son, upon whom my favor rests. In other words, this is not just David this is not just another prophet like Isaiah. This is not anyone but the Son of God. The authority is manifest. You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. So now baptism and authority, power. This is incredible. And you have the power to believe these things. And you say, well, where did I get that, that gift? I don't know. I was educated. Maybe. No, where did they get it? Where did our teachers, our nuns, our sisters, the people that taught us in school, where, where, where did they get all this? And where did they get it? And where did they get it? You take every effect and there's a cause and you trace it back, effect to cause, and you find there's a first cause. Jesus Christ. Who says, upon you I will build my church. I will give you the Holy Spirit once again through baptism, confirmation, Holy Eucharist, the priesthood. It's all there right from the very beginning, long before the New Testament was completed. So the church was around before scripture was completed. That's amazing. Which comes first, the church or scripture, the chicken or the egg? Our Protestant brothers, for the most sake, say scripture first. That's the word of God. No, 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 no. The New Testament was not completed until a century or so after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So what was going on? The church. The Holy Spirit was already at work before the conclusion of the New Testament. The Word of God. The Word of God was at work before it was written. Amazing. Now how do you know that? How do you believe that? Years ago, a little boy named Nicholas was receiving his first Holy Communion down at St. Matthew's Cathedral, where I was assigned. And I was in charge of forming him and some of the other children for that First Holy Communion Day. 
a very important day for all of us as we recall that date, among other dates in our spiritual life. And Cardinal Baum, the Archbishop of Washington, was presiding and he said, I'd like to meet some of the children beforehand. And so we brought back Nicholas and a few others and his eminence said, um, so Nicholas, tell me about uh, what you're going to do today, this first Holy Communion, what, what is that? And the little boy, age seven or eight, looked at the Cardinal, then looked at me, then looked back at the Cardinal and says, uh, the Holy Eucharist is um, the transubstantiated body and blood of Jesus Christ, the second person of the most holy trinity, um, incarnate by the Holy Spirit through the Blessed Virgin Mary, who under accidental forms of bread and wine become the sacramental body and blood of our Savior. The Cardinal was amazed and said, Nicholas, that is brilliant. And the little boy turned to the Cardinal and said, thank you, your M&Ms. <laughs> then the Cardinal said, but Nicholas, where did you get this? Where did you get all this incredible faith to believe that bread and wine become his body and blood? That, that's not natural. That, little boys don't believe this stuff. And you don't think it's make-believe, do you? No. He said, so where'd you get this? Little boy turned to me, then turned back to the cardinal and said, Father Watkins told me to say that. But where did Father Watkins get it? Where do all of us get this? To believe in the power of baptism to wash away original sin and to become adopted children of God, to believe that bread and wine become his body and blood, to believe in a blessed virgin woman conceiving a child, the God-man in her womb, the resurrection of the body, three persons in one Godhead, let alone a God who becomes man and is raised from the dead. Now, this is not make-believe. It's not just another story. No, it's fascinating. It's powerful. It's revelation. It's revelation. It's the stuff that St. Paul would take into his heart and mind and having been the greatest rabbi of his day and the great persecutor of Christianity turn around and say, oh my God, what have I been doing? I've been persecuting Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I must convert. I must repent. That's not natural. Those things just don't happen in the ordinary course of things. So we're dealing with a tremendous gift, friends, and like a gift, you can't take it for granted. I think it's very important that we all remember never to take our faith, never to take our Catholic faith, never take this parish, this building, my priesthood, or any other gift for granted. There are people that wake up sometimes in this world where their churches have been destroyed. 
Their priests have been persecuted, imprisoned. There is no sacrament. Think if that were to happen here in Washington. That'll never happen, we say. Hmm. You never know. But what would it mean? It means that for today and for today, as long as I can live for this moment, I am so grateful for what God has given me. Grateful to my parents, now they're gone. Grateful to family and friends, many of them are gone. Grateful for, but people come and go. But what doesn't come and go are the gifts that God gives me in baptism. Faith, hope, and love. I know many a Catholic who will say to me in their older years, you know, Father, I don't go to church anymore. I haven't been going to church for years. I don't practice my faith. And I really never embraced anything else. But there's just something gnawing at me. I, I, I just can't get rid of this Catholic faith that I've got. And I said, yeah. <laughs> That's because it's permanent. God gave it to you. And he can't take it away. Sawi. No, you have it for life. You have it eternally. That's amazing. I can't get rid of what God gives me. I can try to deny it. I can try to, but I can't run away from it ultimately. It's in me. It's already there. God did it. Uh, wow. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. So our hearts are filled with gratitude. And perhaps then as we look up that date of baptism one day and light a candle on that anniversary, that we would then make a very special wish as we blow out that candle and celebrate our rebirth, a new birth, through the waters of baptism that make us born again as children now, not of the world, not of Adam and Eve, but of God, through Mary, through Jesus, by power of the Holy Spirit. Happy baptism. Happy anniversary.